Hey everybody, it's your host Kathleen DeMarle. I am just hopping on here to make a brief announcement before this week's episode of the podcast. If you don't follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you might not know this, but we have merch now. That's right. We have some nostalgic holographic stickers and some fun sticker sheets. If you're interested in purchasing either of those to uh, support the podcast, hop on over to our Instagram or Facebook to find out ways to purchase those. And if you like free merch, who doesn't like free merch? We have an offer for you. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you uh, want free merch and you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star rating and review. Let us know if you send us a message, either Instagram or Facebook or via email, thegimmepod at gmail.com. We will happily send you some free merch in return for your five-star rating and review. What better way to support the podcast? And who doesn't like free stuff? Thanks so much for being a listener. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Take care. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Yeah, gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. And I can't get it out of my head. Cause I won't use discretion when I'm talking about obsession. Cause this is what makes me me. And I'm glad that I called you. I'm talking about nostalgia. And this is where I want to be. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. Yeah, gimme, gimme, cause I'm obsessed. And I can't get it out of my head. All right, guys, welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Gimme. I'm your resident horse girl. I need to just stop saying that. Everybody knows that by now. I'm very excited to uh, have on this week's guest. I know I say I'm excited about all my guests, but I'm very excited for this week's guest. Uh, On this week's show, we have... Um, he was the head monologue writer for The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon. Uh, everybody, welcome to the pod, John Ryman. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, thanks for doing the show. How have you been doing in quarantine? Um, so I'm coming to you from uh, my home state of New Hampshire okay. right now. Uh, that's real. That's not a Zoom background. Those are real uh, trees in the wind. Um, and... Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just doing the same as kind of everybody. Yeah. I think um, there are good days and bad days. Sure. Um, I think um, really the toughest thing for me lately has been uh, just seeing what New York's going through. Um, uh, life kind of took me out of there uh, for a while. It wasn't because of COVID. Right. Uh, and I was actually hoping to go back soon. Um, and so um, that's obviously really probably not in the cards for some time. And um so that's been the toughest thing for me, believe it or not. That I've been lucky enough so far, uh, knock on wood, yep. that I haven't been directly affected by COVID, and uh, nor has anyone I uh, know or love uh, really. I mean, people have had close calls, and people's lives have changed because sure. of it. Um, but, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's sad when you see a place you love hurting. So yeah. uh, that's, that's been the toughest thing for me. And, um, you know, also just like, um, going back to work on, I have, so I'm going back to teach at Emerson and this semester it was like, I can, I'm in the area and they were looking for people and they're like, do you want to come back? I was going to ask, I was like, are you going back to Emerson? Are they doing in-person classes? So it's, yeah, it's in-person, it's hybrid. Um, it's, but it's all very distant. Um, and, um, so it's, big classrooms uh with uh smaller classes um and well it's hybrid so you only have like an hour and a half that you're in the room together you all have to wear a mask mine's a clear mask so you can kind of see me talk um and um i already have this whole plan about like you know i'm gonna have gloves and every we all will everyone's gonna be safe and then um it's only about half the semester and then i think uh everything the first couple classes are online and then everything after thanksgiving break is online yeah so it's it's minimal classroom but um yeah i'm going back there and uh i have two other things i'm working on a tv thing and then a, a game thing with a couple of friends and um so if anything the difficulty is having to actually work on stuff again and not just like yeah. say oh well i gotta wait till you know things are over it's like like when all at once everyone was like we can just zoom yeah i was like 
oh man, you mean I got to work again? <laughs> I think that right. that hit me like a month ago. I was like, oh, we're never going back to normal. I just need to treat Zoom mics and shows like it's the new thing and meetings. Yeah. 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 So but it's fun. It's, it's, but like I said, I so far hanging in there and um, I hope you're doing okay. And I hope everyone else is doing okay and just finds ways to get by. Yeah. I mean, I have a, have it on good authority that by early 2021, uh, cause I have some, medical people and the family and stuff that we, we hopefully will be in good shape. By I then, hope so. I was planning to move to New York this year and that's like not in the cards. It's not going to happen. Well, when it is, you'll, you'll, <laughs> if you have $5, you got to You got a pretty good apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So, apparently. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the, the purpose of this podcast. So when you messaged me, you originally said, well, like does something in my teen years count? And it, I think it does. So you were into the bare naked ladies growing up. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, that's, I love this podcast, first of all, and I became a fan of it and a, a listener and um, I wanted to do it. And but the thing is, I thought everything else everyone knows about me. They all know that I am a big Celtics fan. They all know that I love the Beach Boys. They all know that I love wrestling. Yeah. Those are kind of the things I'm known for. And then the thing that people always go, what, um, is uh, Bare Naked Ladies. And I would say they are they are one of my two favorite bands, okay. along with uh, the Beach Boys, of all time. Wow. I've seen them like 20 times. And 20 times? At least. And that's not counting solo shows. And wow. Huge fan. So how did you get into the Bare Naked Ladies? So I think like everybody, um, I knew... If I had a million dollars, yeah. Um, when I, uh, that was just a song that kind of went around in the early '90s, and um, it was almost like a folk song, yeah. And that everyone kind of knew it, and none of us really knew where it come came from. And so I knew that song, and then I heard "Shoebox," which was on Friends, okay. And uh, so I kind of knew that song in the old apartment. When I really first finally saw them. Uh, was New Year's Eve uh, in eighth grade. So it was the 96 and the 97 New Year's Eve. And they were the musical guest on uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Oh, wow. And back then, the late night shows used to do shows on New Year's Eve. They didn't have the specials. They had the late night shows would go live yeah. and do their shows. And so Conan's was always really funny. And so uh, they were on that show and... Um, you know, I was, I'd been somewhere earlier that night, but it was eighth grade, so you're home by like 10 yeah. or whatever, or maybe it's just me and everyone else kept <laughs> hanging out. I don't know. And, um, I stayed up and I watched towards the end and it was a group that I always heard of on Conan. They'd always say like, you know, a musical guest, bare naked ladies. And I was like, what is that? And I saw them and the song they did was Brian Wilson. Okay. And I, of course, my antennas went up. And I said, as they were singing it, I was like, hey, that's, that's my Brian Wilson uh, that I know. And um, they were really cool. And they just had a, it, Conan said, please, no. Like, I was like, wow, they're on all the time. And then it kind of became this thing where they were just always on Conan. And uh, I was a big Conan. They were always on the late night show. Yeah. So Conan and Letterman. And so I kind of got into them before one week and all that stuff. And before everyone, just because they were like, my secret band, my band that I knew just from staying up to watch the end of Conan. And as I researched them, I was like, oh, they're the million dollar guys. And then they had this live album that came out that was where they have some ad libs and they'd kind of do some riffing in between songs and they're really funny. Hmm. And the way I would describe it is the Beach Boys were who I wanted to be when I was a okay. kid. You know, guys that go to the beach and get with all the girls and drive fast cars. Sure. And when I was in eighth grade, and I finally had that moment where I looked myself in the mirror and uh, saw that I was wearing a striped shirt and had glasses and um, had a friend that I played off of, kind of like Steve and Ed sure. played off of each other. I said, I think Bare Naked, Beach Boys are who I, that's why I wake, listen to in the morning and try to yeah. be. And Bare Naked Ladies, that's who I listen to at night and say, ah, this is who I am. And, uh, and, I'm, and be happy with it. And so that's... But that's the story of how I first got in there. It was right before, right before they took off. Yeah, I was going to say, because they took off like early 2000s, right? Yeah, 98. So 98, 
they had this new album coming out. It was right when we were all finally online. Yeah. And everyone, and so there was all this hype that everyone knew I liked Bare Naked Ladies. You know, there's this hype for they're going to have this new album coming out. And they did this big show in Boston. And I, I didn't go to, I was young, I was like 14 or 15, but it drew like 30,000 people in uh, City Hall Plaza. Oh, wow. And they, they tell stories about this where they were on their bus, tour bus, trying to get to the gig and were late. And they were all having panic attacks because they were like, oh man, we're going to be late for our concert. There must be a Red Sox game or something. And then they finally realized because they saw the people in their clothes and their signs and they're like, no, they're here to see us. Oh, wow. And so, so their their own crowd made them late. It's like a Beatles. Name. That's how big they huh. were in the Boston area. And so everyone was all about it. They were like, dude, your band is like picking up. And this happened right after Carl Wilson passed away. Okay. And when the Beach Boys kind of broke up. And so it was like, I was thinking perfect timing, you know? And so then I was at my grandmother's house in Pennsylvania, same house where my dad saw Beatles for the first oh. time. And it was the first time BNL was ever on David Letterman. Okay. At Sullivan Theater, same place where my dad saw the Beatles, same living room, same TV. And they came out and here they are with their new song debut and they played it. And I'm thinking it's going to be like another shoebox yeah. or old apartment or something like my bare naked lady. Yeah. And instead it's the chicken to China. Yes. And I just froze. And I froze the same way as I did when I was a little kid. I heard Kokomo for the first time because it wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, these guys are, I really was like, they're going to get killed for this. I was like, this is their chance. This was their big thing. And they're doing, it's like almost like a Weird Al sort of song. Weird Al yeah. actually did a parody of the song. And I was like, oh God. And so we got through the summer. We got to the first like dance back in high school. I was in 10th grade. And um, like the third song in, with the whole, everyone's there, everyone in the school at this dance, it's been, and I froze. Cause I was like, oh God. And, and everyone looked at me and I was like, what? And then everyone knew all the words. Yeah. And every, everyone, one week since they looked and they were all dancing and they were all going nuts. And they were like, dude, this is your band. You're right. They're so cool. And it was like, a judgment into it was like two lessons for me where it's like you know your your taste your first take on something may not be on the money on something different but it was also i'll never forget that that's when they skyrocketed up to that top position for me because you know 10th you know they set a song called grade nine but you know, as we all know ninth 10th grade particularly in new england that's make or break man yeah. like that's those are tough times yeah. and so I'll always remember that warm feeling I had when everyone I went to school with at an all grades dance turned at, at, at a new high school yeah. with all the big kids and everything. And they all loved it. And them loving something that I, a band that I love. And um, it sounds like, and, and then they were kind of it. They were the band, like really for the, for, for high school and then to be in college yeah. for me, they were the, the live band that you had to go see. It was like, that, that was it. So it was just such a great experience. It sounds like you were known in high school for liking BNL. Totally. Um, I mean, more so Beach Boys, I think. But in college, uh, I was it was BNL, and uh, I knew because I went to Emerson, and so I knew how to play that. And so going in, I was like, I made it very clear that I was a bare naked ladies fan because I knew that was how to get over at Emerson, and because everyone there at Emerson, it was Dave Matthews and Guster and. BNL, and that was, you know, and Ben Folds yeah. throw in there, and then probably Fiona Apple, and like that was kind of like what everyone listened to, and so the cool thing that happened there was they did a, a tour called the Peep Show Tour, and it was where they took questions from the audience, and years before, when I was in high school, I made a sign, because I played the drums, and I made a sign that said, can I come up and play tambourine? Uh, like I don't want like I that's I made I made sure it was a joke like a like a funny song. Yeah. I was like not asking to take Tyler's job. I just want to play tambourine. I just want to play with. <laughs> okay. It. And I held it up and held it up when I was a teenager and nothing happened. So when they were I was now in my twenties. I was like twenty or twenty one and they came 
uh, to the Orpheum and I had good seats and I went with my friend and he said, you have to bring the oh, sign. God. And then, cause it was Emerson. Yeah, yeah. There was like 25 people going. Oh. And then he, I got this group email from her. They're like, you have to, do you have that sign? And I was like, yeah. They're like, are you going home anytime? I'm like this weekend, like, you gotta bring it back. You gotta bring it to the show. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I held up the sign and they called on me and they said, <laughs> they just said, sure. And so I went up and they said, what song do you want to play? And I said, alcohol. And that was kind of an in-joke too, because I don't drink. Okay. And they, they said, uh, all right. And we played alcohol. And so if you go, there's this website, it's like BNL Archive. If you just Google it, uh, they have all the, these bootlegs. And so there's a bootleg from 2003, Boston, the Orpheum. And on alcohol... Uh, you can hear me. It says Captain Visor Pants. That was the nickname they gave me. So that's the name of the song. Mm-hmm. It's me, me playing with Bar- with the original, not like I mean, with, with when they were all five yeah. still together. Yeah. The bare naked ladies, and um, yeah, one of those things that like thankfully I took it all in, and someone got a picture and all that, and um, so uh, that's when I became the bare naked ladies. Wow. At, uh, and then got to do a, a film shoot with them off of that. And um, so they were a huge part of Emerson for me. And, you know, whenever I'm there, I always, I always think of them. Wait, so you said you got to do a film shoot with them out of that? Yep. Yeah, I was the head writer for the Evie Awards, okay. which was uh, the basically the Emerson's version of the Oscars or the Emmys or the Grammys or whatever. And uh, it's actually a really big, amazing, cool award show. It's gotten big. I mean, when I was there, it was big. Now it's gigantic yeah. and so i uh was the head writer and uh, i saw they were gonna be in town and we were trying to do like just a little rolling during the show and um it was a good it was kind of good but also one of those things as an experience you look back on with different through a different lens because um kevin was not there he's the keyboardist he was in an art show that day he's also a very good artist okay and um, so it was, the, it was the four guys from like when I was in junior high. And so went through a couple connections and uh, they were like, yeah, come on down. We'd love to, we remember you. It'd be great. You know, see you again. It's been like a year. And so we went in and uh, Jim was there, the bassist. And he had his, his, it's crazy. They're all doing at home videos now. And I see his kids and he had, his oldest child was an infant at the okay. time. And I, was, I saw them as taller than him now. I was like, oh, God. But um, so we saw, we met Jim's baby and then uh, Tyler, the drummer, who was very funny. And he kind of came in pretending to be director and playing. And then uh, Steve came in, Stephen Page. And that's the guy that, he's the guy with the glasses. And he's the guy that's mo- probably the most recognizable member of the group. Um, and kind of the first guy, I always say, who's the first guy you look at when they come on, when they come, when a band comes on stage in that dark, what's the first silhouette you try to make out, you know, for whoever it is. And like for like the Beach Boys, when I was a kid, it was always like Mike and Carl. Those were the two, you, could, you know, Mike would have the hat and you'd be like, oh, that's Mike. Yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. And, and so Steve was the guy, but like that was the guy. And that's who, because he was like the star of the show. And you always wanted, when he came on stage, you could see, oh, you were like, oh man, here we yeah. go. So when he came into the room, I got real nervous because I'd been with, you know, on stage during a concert just to play for a minute or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I was nervous when I went to shake his hand because I'd heard stories that he was a serious guy and he could be moody or whatever. And in retrospect, by now, he's probably heard stories about me. <laughs> I can be, that I'm a, I can be moody because um, I've told them. But um, he um, came forward and he, put his hand out and said, Hey, John, I said, yeah. Hey, I'm Steve. And we sh- shook hands and he couldn't have been nicer. And he was, he read the script and he was on board and he's like, Oh, this is great. Very funny. And he's so nice. Yeah. But then Ed came into the room and I, here's what I will say. So I have become friends with Steve through Twitter and Instagram. And we've messaged, we've talked about working on something together. Um, so he's like a internet friend. Yeah. And so I know him a little bit. I don't know, Ed, beyond what I'm telling you. But what I will say is, from Fallon and from other stuff, I, I know the Beach Boys, yeah. and I know the energy that changes when Mike walks into the room. Oh. And everything can be a certain way, yeah. but when Mike comes in, everyone kind of gets quiet. Ooh. And there's almost this 
they you could almost see from people's body energy like oh we're not in charge and oh you're like them kind of looking at me like just so you know you're not in charge anymore sort of thing and so ed came in and he was kind of nice his handshake was not as firm as the other okay. guys and he was a little suspicious which is interesting because ed's public persona is very uh and it's fine that's very outgoing and fine. yeah their whole so, band's persona is very outgoing but so is mike love yeah his whole thing is like i'm mr positivity and kokomo and there but then there's something different in person and so ed took the script well, let me can i take a look at it so then he brought it over to me he was had it for a while and he was there and uh jim and uh tyler kind of went over there with him and they were kind of like trying to put me over and they were like i think it's pretty funny yeah i kind of like this part and they're saying it and steve just went over and had a cigarette <laughs> and he had immediately he didn't even get wasn't even part of the hug. yeah and then they and then um <laughs> tyler i'll never forget he walked over and just handed me the script and it was all marked up all rewritten and uh ed rewrote the copy he rewrote and we ended up, he wrote the he rewrote the whole and thing now granted i'm just i'm just 21 i'm just some kid yeah again the other three bare naked ladies had all laughed and been like oh this is good and uh ed uh and to his credit it was good it still worked and they still run it i think to this day at emerson because huh. they're still very popular sure. at emerson um but it's he wrote i produced yeah. it i did the takes i had i said okay who says what but all that verbiage was uh yeah it did kind of a, a total rewrite and so I, I remember seeing that energy and I was with a friend and she said, did it seem weird to you? And I said, what stood out to me was, so Ed and Steve were legendary for having this great onstage banter. And for, and that's what made them my favorite is they had very, if, the thing about Barney Good Ladies is that they have a fun image. Everyone thinks they're fun, but if you yeah. really listen to their lyrics, particularly from the early 2000s and the 90s, like Pinch Me, everyone loves Pinch Me. Fun song, under, you know, under there, underwear. Yeah um run through with a sprinkler and all that stuff well the last lines for that song are i could leave but i'll just stay all my stuff's here anyway well where would you go that you can't bring your stuff yeah oh no you go back and reread the lyrics to that song song about depression and and then the final turn is like oh god this was someone thinking about doing something drastic and that's why i love them is that they were able to be serious mm -hmm. and have commentary but sneak it onto the radio through being funny yeah. and clever. And that's what Ed and Steve would do. So they would have some, you know, that's what made their show so great. They would have, the music was all serious. They're not a joke band. Right. Like they, they're not, you know, a parody band or whatever. Like they have some songs where you're just like, gosh, at the end, like, man, that's like, I'll say it, Beatles-esque. We were like, it's a day in the life sort of yeah. thing. We were like, whoa. Uh, but then they would talk in between and they would be funny and they'd make jokes and they'd riff off each other and they'd do ad lib raps about the city huh. and the venue and stuff. But when I got, got that kind of look behind the curtain, that was my first time that I saw celebrities behind the curtain. Ed and Steve didn't talk. Hmm. And this was 2004. And Steve's not in the band anymore. And he left in 2009. And it was a gut punch. Yeah. And I was really shocked, but I talked to my friend, that friend that actually went to the shoot that day. And I was like, you know, I just keep thinking back to that dynamic between those guys. And this, that was 2004. And she goes, I thought the same thing. And so there's a weird thing there where those guys really clicked on stage. Yeah. And I don't know what went on behind the scenes, but that was my takeaway there was that I went in thinking Ed's going to be loosey goosey, Mr. Fun, and Steve's going to be uptight and maybe won't even do yeah. this and it said it was totally the opposite steve was ready to play ball and even now he's just like at a day like he he does by the way i'll plug his thing every saturday he does a live um uh concert on zoom uh from oh, his wow. recording studio and i had a day that uh i had plans get canceled that night and so i just emailed him and i said can i play tambourine hey, can I? well <laughs> I should have, yeah next time i i said to him um you know because they have only so many people you can have on a zoom and I, I was sold out for weeks and i said um hey is there any way and he got me in there was some back door like sneaky wow. tricky, you know? and uh he's very cool like that and then um yeah in other times uh in going to i there have been times where i could have gone up 
like I was at a party once and Ed was there and I, I got the same energy. I was just like, I don't know. I don't, so hmm. I don't feel comfy. So that was a lesson for me too, yeah. is that, you know, that was my, that was the first time I saw that uh, people are not always the same on stage. They're off stage, but it goes both ways. I think we're seeing that a lot now in today's generation hey let me clear things up you're not gonna there you're not ed's not getting canceled i know no no no. i know i'm just saying he's a he's a a good guy he's just he's very serious about the business and the brand of that band and i think that that was the falling out between him and steve i think that steve had a rough time uh in the summer of 2008 Mm -hmm. he he went through some really rough personal stuff and uh from my outside perspective it seemed like they were more concerned with protecting their brand And I think that um, he resented them. If I had to guess um, uh, a lyric from a Bare Naked Lady song, if I had to guess, I'd say um, that um, they were mad at him for putting them through the ringer. And I think he probably felt sad that they weren't maybe there for him as much as he wanted. Uh, that's how it read yeah. in interviews. Um, but Ed's a businessman. So, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't guys. surprise me with bands. I, I'm especially with them because they were big in Canada before they even, they had a whole Huge. career before they even were Huge. big in the U S yeah. Beatlemania so like for the fact that they lasted as a band, as long as they did without a breakup is, you know, more surprising than not. Yeah. I mean, they really, they talk about that. They really had two careers. They had that first decade in uh, Canada yeah. and uh, I mean, they're getting number one, number two songs. I mean, you really, they had, you look at their discography in Canada, like on the charts, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it really is like a Beach Boys. It's a 60s band arc mm-hmm. where you're just like, oh, my God, every song is a top five song. And when I did stand up in Canada, everyone knew, you know, I said, what's your favorite song? It's a song no one would know here. And they were like, oh, yeah, up here it was, you know, number three or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they almost did break up in the 90s. Um, and they talk about that right before, I mean, had it not been for one week and stunt, um, they might have. I mean, they were really kind of at that kind of break point then. I think what they ran into was, um, you know, Ed was the, like I said there, it, it's, it's a weird thing. Backstage, Steve is very open to a lot of things and Ed's very particular. Yeah. And then, uh, and they're kind of, it's kind of known now because we know about people and then they're, but their sensibility as artists, Ed just wants to be fun and get on the radio and have things rhyme. And Steve really wants to tell a story. Sure. And, um, I hope neither one's offended because um, Steve might, might listen to this, but you know, those are both, there's virtue with both of yeah. those. I mean, that's, that's, there's, that's great. And for years they were able to coexist. Pinch me is a great example of that. That's an Ed song, but he kind of wrote it through Steve's perspective and Steve jumped in and kind of helped him out with right. it. And you know, that's what made them great. And then I think they're just reached a point and you could see it happening because they were putting out albums that, didn't have a theme and they were all kind of kind of all over the place and my daughter's favorite album is everything to everyone and that's the one that has shopping and testing one two three and another postcard now my daughter's three years old i was gonna say i was like isn't your daughter pretty young (laughs) so so the problem is so when you put out an album right after we go to war in iraq two years removed from 9-11 that's over with a three-year-old yeah (laughs) you're gonna run into problems and so that was the album. Now, that was the one that I confidently strode in and said, oh, this is everyone. I want everyone to know I'm a fan. <laughs> and then about two months into that, people were like, and I was like, go to the, go to the, the end of it. There's some, some good one. It just, it didn't flow. And then they, the next one that they did like three years later, they did a double album, but it wasn't like the white album or anything. It, it was kind of just like, they never really explained why. And it just felt like, they just were like, all right, we're just going to put everyone's songs on this. And that to me, because I'm a pessimist, read as we couldn't agree on what to put on the album. And um, sure enough, that was the last regular proper album they huh. did before the split. And I think it was just because Steve was thinking, hey, I want to talk about what I've been through. I want to talk about, uh, and he's done so much great work with depression and, and uh, mental health yeah. and and just um, just gave a, a great TED talk then, and it was just such a great supporter and his, his solo albums have, have all been great and told a story and have, and are, are really, he, it's like I say to myself, it's crazy that he resonates with me in my thirties 
the way they resonated with me and my team. Meanwhile, Ed and those guys, it's, you know, fun in the sun. It's, they want to be cheery and all that. Most of their stuff, everything that's been on the radio has been, except the song that was a kind of an F you and Steve for leaving, which I didn't think was necessary. But do you think that cheery stuff is just because they think that's what's going to like sell to the masses? Or do you think that's what they genuinely want to do? Um, I think that that's, they know as a, as their four piece, I think they know that's their bread and butter yeah. and, they, and they, they do it very yeah. well and they do it. They do things now, both sides. Uh, while I deeply miss their collaboration and deeply miss, um, you know, their work together. Like for instance, um, you know, just to go off, uh, not a tan, but just to take a left turn here for a second. So they did an album 20 years ago that we're coming up on the anniversary of, and it's called Maroon. Okay. And that's the one that has Pinch Me on it. And the interesting thing is, that's my favorite, that might just be my favorite album um, and with Abbey Road. So there you go, Steve. <laughs> it's like, that's how much I love it. And um, I think I, it was like my first adult, like my first grown up album that wasn't just like making jokes and having fun that I, that I bought when I was in high school. And I went in buying it thinking like, that's it's gonna be Bare Naked Ladies album. Yeah. And then, as it goes, it got dark and it got serious. And I recommend it to everybody right now because there's no more, I w went through every single song before I did this podcast. I looked at the track list and I was like, these are all a hundred percent relevant to 2020 and what we're going through. It's actually a better album now huh. than it was 20 years ago. It's the whole theme of it is um, kind of being teetering and hoping, I mean, that's, pinch me you know and you know and too little too late and you know I'm, i don't i won't spoil it for people but it doesn't necessarily it tells a story the whole album it's kind of a, a narrative and it maybe doesn't end the way we hope it does it's that it was the first time you kind of had a bare naked ladies ending that you were like oh that didn't have a joke at the end that we didn't win that yeah one. and there's one song in particular that i got then and it was almost like I had a gut feeling that it would come in handy later in life to reflect. But, you know, earlier this year, I, I, I went through a divorce and there's a song on Maroon called Tonight is the Night I Fell Asleep at the Wheel. And it's based on uh, Ed, Ed's brother, uh, Doug, died in a motorcycle accident. Wow. And he was haunted by it, of course, like he yeah. would be for years. And so he wrote several great songs about it. But this was the best. And Steve sings lead on this one. And the premise is it's, it's about, you know, someone dying in a car accident, but the twist is written from their perspective. Oh. And the great thing about that song is it starts off with someone who's clearly in a fried, jaded relationship. Mm -hmm. And they say, um, you know, driving home to be with you, blah, blah, blah. You're the last thing on my mind. So basically like hard day at work. Oh my God, you're the last thing on my mind. And when I was at Fallon, you know, I was on another podcast, um, uh, Last Exit to Brooklyn, a few weeks ago, where um, that got some pickup <laughs> um, all the way to the top. Oh, so I was okay. heard, um, but um, where I kind of detailed what happened there at Fallon, yeah. and um, as much as I could, and still be a nice person, and I'm a good guy. Um, so they, um, but when I was there, it, it was tough at times, and it's tough at any TV sure. job. It's tough at any job. So there would be days where you know, early in our marriage, you know, my ex-wife would kind of be the last thing on my mind. I would be on, I'd be coming home and I'd get a text like, you know, what do you want for dinner or whatever? And it would just be like, it would almost pain me to be like, oh, I gotta, you know, right now I'm writing back to my boss and, you know, or Jimmy's email right. or whatever. So then in the song, the protagonist dies and he, it goes, now I'm floating above looking in as the radio blares and wheels spin. I can see my face slumped with a grin and you, and then the chorus goes, you're the last thing on my mind. And that double meaning of being the last of someone or something being the last thing on your mind. And so I think that that, especially now during such a tough year, when we're all kind of scared yeah. and we're scared for each other, we're scared for each other's health. We so often people that we see every day, and people that we love or are close to us, we take them for granted. And so they're always the last thing on our mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, but the, the lesson there 
and it, the first piano album that, like I said, ends on a sad note. The whole thing, it's someone trying to hang on and they just can't do it. And I won't go, I won't spoil the rest of it, but it kind of has that bittersweet thing that, you know, when you're in your final moment, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's, there's two different ways for someone to be the last thing on your mind. So, you know, you're already going to have one of them at the end. So do everything you can to make sure they're, they're always at the front of your, you know, sure. forefront of your thoughts. Yeah. Um, the rest of the time. Yeah. That sounds like a good album. I, this is so bad. I am, oh, my knowledge of BNL was like solely based on like the early 2000s uh, hit of One Week. And like every <laughs> well, movie that it was ever in. Yeah. 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 And you know, the funny thing with that is like, that's just another example. That's a lesson too. And they've talked about it is that they, that almost didn't make the album. They did that as a joke track. Yeah. And uh, then I think it was Susan Rogers, who was their producer, and then called up and said, okay, so we're going to leave with one week. And they were like, no, really, what are we, you know, is it going to be it's all been done? Because, you know, that was, I think, what they were thinking. And I said, no, really, one week. We had to cut whatever, you know, instead. And it's one week. What? And they had the same reaction as me, where they were like, dude, we're going to get killed for this. But um, it just goes to show, you never know what it's what's going to break through i mean look at the beach boys they, there's so many songs that brian slaved over that didn't chart yeah and then they went and got together with a bunch of friends and just sang barbara ann number two it's one of their i mean they it's, they close it's their second to last song of every concert so it's like yeah you know and it's and that's a thing in stand-up too is that you know god i mean there's so many times where it's a joke you slave over and you're like oh and you dive in and it just gets nothing yeah. And then there's the one you try as a throwaway and it ends up being the one you open with on the tonight show. Yeah. And that's literally something that happened to me where it was like, I said it, I said this, I said it and someone laughed at it and I said, eh, I'll try it. And it became a TV opener. And so it just, and then there was other stuff where I was like, Oh, this can't miss. And the very first cut from the producer is like, well, you can't do this joke. It's no good. And you're like, what? And, you know, I worked on this and they're like, well, so that's the fun thing about one week is, um, you know, it's, it's, you never know. And I think it's also cool that they, they embrace it. Yeah. You know, they, they still play it and uh, Steve doesn't play it in his shows. Um, I think there's a way he could, and it could be interesting. Um, yeah. He even said uh, when Trump had all the Goya beans on his oh, desk, boy. he tweeted out a picture of that. It just said, it's beans. <laughs> so they all have good sense of humor yeah. and, you know, it's, it's, and yeah, I just, I'm one of those guys and I know they hate hearing it and they could come right back at me right now and say, well, you're divorced. So how would you feel? Blah, 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 blah. But like, um, I'm still one of those people who holds out hope. I, I would, you know, I think when they have that like stunt, I think that's like the 25th anniversary is in two or three years. I hope they get, they just do something real quick where they go on a short tour and, and just do it one more time. It'd be really like next summer, my daughter's first concert is going to be uh, the Man. current Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, it's going to be the four. She's not she's a little too young for a Steve concert right now. Um, Where's that? But, is that um, in, at, at TD Garden or something like that? No, it's up in it's at a uh, in Guilford, New Hampshire, a big outdoor venue up in the woods. So we're gonna and so um, she was a little too young, but then COVID pushed it back a year. So I got the tickets and um, I was when I I said it to her like not knowing if she would process it, but man, she was excited. And so that's wild. Um, yeah. So it's, it'll be pretty, she'll be about the same age I was when I saw the beach boys for the first time, but I've been careful. She knows them because I, I don't want to, when I went to see the beach boys, this is a whole another story for another day, but I, I, I did not know Dennis was no longer with us. Okay. So I spent the whole concert looking for him oh. on stage, a little confused. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've been very careful to show her the current lineup and she knows those four guys okay. and so when we go there's no she's not like disappointed like, that uh yeah where because i mean yeah where's the guy now? yeah yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you know it's it's like no nope, here they are and so um yeah they, and they'll they'll be fun it'll be a good time but um i'm glad they're both still going they're both still doing great music they're i finally get what they've said where the point they made was had they not split up they couldn't have done all the good stuff they've done since then and I think that's also another life lesson yeah. that I'm trying to follow myself sure. right now, which is, um, so, you know, when you go through a separation or whatever, or, or when you go from one job to another, um, it can be a lot. And there's some parallels there. I've really followed Steve's interviews and stuff because um, 
basically he went through the same, you know, I mean, Stephen Page, I'm not Stephen Page, but he went through, he left the band and he got divorced, yeah. like in the same few oh, months. Wow. And it was sort of the same thing with me where we broke up and you know, I left Fallon and it was, um, you know, um, kind of at the same time. And it's just been, I've done other things, but you know, it's still scary. And his point was, um, it takes years. It takes a couple of years to really get, find your footing and accept the new people in your life and the new things. Um, so I'm glad they, for that reason, I'm split. I'm glad there wasn't a fist fight on stage and that they were able to each now put out another record every two years. Yeah. But, you know, you'd like to see them. They did a one reunion thing a couple of years ago and it was great. And I'd love to take Sadie someday to see her uh, so she could see Steve and Ed together because they were so good together and so funny and that's just such an experience so really fun stuff do you have okay so you said you went to you've been to 20 like about 20 concerts mm -hmm. do you have any particularly like bad concert experiences where you've seen them what i've seen bare naked yeah. ladies um <laughs> well i hate to say i don't mean to bury you guys so <laughs> i apologize for this but uh i saw them you know i saw them at the, so the, the warning sign should have been there at the Westbury Music Theater in Long Island. Oh. And this is when I was at Fallon. Okay. And it was appealing to me because it was on a Saturday night and I lived in Queens, uh, Astoria, Queens, uh, the, the greatest neighborhood in the world. If you can follow your COVID instructions, everybody, please. Jeez. Anyway, assuming y'all don't die, um, it was like a short drive from there. And so I went with my would-be and now ex-wife, and we went, and um, the place didn't exactly full, fill up, and it was a very small venue to begin hmm. with, and it was also November, so it was like kind of like not peak touring season, yeah. and it, it was like half full. It was this very small venue, and they, I don't think, I think it was like 40%, and to add to that, you could tell none of them were happy to be there. You could tell they were all like, why did we do this? Like, why Long, why Long Island not during tourist season? Like, when there's no one walking around and there's no one going to the beach. Yeah. And so it was a very odd booking. And then on top of that, they all had the flu. They all had the flu? Yeah. And they the still performed? Uh, they did, but they all, they were taking breaks. <laughs> they were, it was a... That should tell you what kind of flu it was. Jeez. And um, they, uh, you can't spell fluid without flu. And so um, they, yeah, so there was times where it was like, there's just the four of them. And it was also their first year without Steve. So they're still figuring things out. And there were times where someone would have to run off stage. And they'd have to call an audible. What song can we play without Oh the my drummer? God. And they were all, and they did this, they did, I guess it was, to their credit, man, they, I always think of that whenever I'd have a really bad stand-up headlining set, which everyone has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People tell you they don't, where you have to do 45 minutes, and your contract is due 45 minutes. That doesn't mean 43. It means at least 45. So if you burn through your hour in 38 Ooh. minutes, you better fucking come up with something to fill that other seven minutes. And so I would always think of them, and I had, I had one myself, just like I wasn't sick. I just bombed at this very conservative club in New Jersey where they did not like me at sure. all and weirdly had that sort of like bare naked ladies where thankfully I had like that if I had a million dollars joke at the end yeah. that I could end on and everyone went home happy and everyone shook my hand at the end and said oh I love that and they had a good time yeah. Jersey and it's whatever it's different rules there but I thought of that. I remember thinking back to them while I was bombing and sweating, just being like, I can just get to the last, if I can just get to my quote, the hit song, if I can just get to the one that I know will work, that I'll, I'll get through this. And uh, they came out after, I, we saw them signing autographs for people and um, they, it was rough, man. And it was really um, tough to see, but then cut to about three years later when they had some time to, regroup and kind of figure things out without Steve. Yeah. Uh, we went and saw them at Prospect Park in Brooklyn and they, they nailed it and they were fantastic. And it was just kind of like, no flu. Okay. Yeah. They, they got, well, no, they figured it out. They yeah. figured out what songs they could do. They figured out who could do what. Yeah. And um, it, it, t it took a while. And then same thing with Steve, um, you know, where 
I saw him solo, I got it. I was like, oh yeah, he's this is his band now, and this is his thing. And so, so yeah, that Westbury one was probably the only really bad one I've been to. And other than that, they were always great. And I think being in New England and New York is a plus because in New England they're huge. You know, they're always big and they always sell out. Yeah. And so they're always up and they're always good. But yeah, that was, that was a rough one. The, the flu concert. Uh, but they were like Michael Jordan, man. They played, <laughs> they played, played all the way through. That's crazy. I'm just imagining them like running off stage to hurl and then. Kevin, yeah, Kevin, I don't, don't want to name Nate. Well, I will. Kevin, poor Kevin, keyboardist. I think he left two or three times. Oh, God. And, and literally, <laughs> he made a funny thing of it, but he, he would just kind of slink back to the keyboard. Yeah, it was rough, but they, they trudged through, man. And um, I just remember thinking, Ed, look, I felt for Ed that night, and I got it. I finally got because I, I, to this day, I get a little defensive when he would take little subtle digs at Steve, but I got it yeah. in that moment because you could tell, you could tell that was a low for him, and you could tell. Um, I, I made sure to stay after to say, hey, really good show, you know, and, and I think everyone did, like everyone that was there because there was nobody there. We all went to see him afterwards. Kind of, and it was more just kind of cheer him on getting on the bus. Yeah, it was, you could see that he was just like, man, this is the worst. Like, this is literally the shits both ways, just because, God, two years ago, I was, we were in an arena and, I, you know, we were five piece and everyone knew who we were. Now we couldn't even sell out the place, you know, and no one knows our new song. And I'm sick of shit, you know, like, what, what, what happened and how did I get here? And so, um, as much as, as Steve has been an inspiration in his music, that night has been an inspiration to me the last two years yeah. where there's been a lot of times where I won't lie. I've come out of a meeting or I've done a stand-up show or just life in general. I mean, a lot of times during this pandemic where I've just thought, I mean, two or three years ago, I was on the floor at the Tonight Show right. with an audience, yeah. you know, you still have an audience yeah. and hearing Joe, the monologue that I ran. Yeah kill and have jimmy fallon really step into each joke and and now i'm on a zoom call trying and someone's breaking yeah, up yeah, and yeah. like you're, you're trying to be like hey did you hear i didn't hear that last character can you pitch oh god you gotta go back and i get off the call and i go what happened you know but i remember i'm like well i'll tell you what happened you know they kept on playing and then three years later they sold out prospect park yeah and um they were great and now they, they're gonna have a whole new generation of fans because they have a kids album like i have friends they have who said a kids to me, album wow they do and my daughter loves that too and and like i've had friends that say dude did you know your band they, they call my dad do you know your band that's this great kids album because my kids love i go oh, yeah it's good i got it when sadie was born and uh so yeah it's sort of like the beach boys with kokomo there's people like my parents who will say well it's not really the beach but there's no brian on that you know it's not really them. yeah okay and so just like, you know, I'm going to do the same thing with me and Sadie, where Sadie's going to be bopping along the odds are, and I'm going to go like, well, Steve's not on. That's Technically. not really, you know, you know she's going to go, dad, yeah, you yeah. Know. So she, it's great. Everyone has their own version. And so, um, yeah, so I, so I've, I've, I've thought of, that's a lot, man, to have, to have Stephen Page, have the, the, the face of your band quit. Yeah. Can I think be blindsided? I think they were bluffing and uh, did not expect that he would really quit. And when he did, what do you do? And um, I just remember seeing and just how lost and panicked Ed looked. And now you see him and they're like, they, but they're both doing yeah. it. So um, I mean, there's peaks I, and I, valleys yeah. with everything, right? So it sounds like they kind of yeah. got over that valley and yeah. moved on. And yeah. But for me, they always come back to, like I said, they make me, they, just it really resonates it's kind of like it's a band i found no one else got me into right. them and i love their their clever way of being a super super dark band that really sang about some heavy stuff i mean it's a night yeah you know i mean let's, let's that's what it was and um got really dark in there but were so smart and so clever that they were able to sneak it onto the radio and i can't tell you how many people I'd say probably once a month, especially during the pandemic. Cause they've each, by the way, Steve put out a song called isolation and the bare naked ladies did gotta be patient. And they're both about quarantine. Interesting. And they're both really good songs. And it's, they're my, they're like the beach boys are, you know, they're Larry bird and bare naked ladies are Paul Pierce, you know, sure. it's like, 
one's the icon and it's like but these this is the one i went and saw every yeah. night in college you know and so it's like we're, we're it was like a friendship yeah almost um so we're wrapping up here um john do you have anything like, i know we're in a pandemic do you have anything like coming up or that you <laughs> want to promote you know i actually do and I have, it's actually uh, relevant sure. um, to quarantining. Um, so I'm working with uh, my friends, um, uh, Sam Liberty and Wade Kimbrough. And we have this new, uh, they're uh, game designers and uh, out of Salem, Massachusetts. They uh, had a project they were working on that was kind of a Zoom focused comedy style game. Okay. And it was a, I know it's a vague description because when they asked me and then, so Sam had been there for me. He was my best man. Um, I've known him for 20 years. He he's always been there for me, and he you know over the past year plus has really been there for me. And so there was a day that he just needed people to test this new game. He said I didn't have any specifics, and I said I'll do it. Like and it was the day that you know it was the day that I was you know I didn't have my daughter, and I was like I'll need something to do and just feel good. And um, so I just did. And I'll do Sam a favor. And so I played it and it was fun. And then um, I wasn't really trying. It was like, sort of like I just said, like you never know what's going to take off. I wasn't really trying. I was kind of just like down, like just kind of trying to be funny. But I did well. And it felt then like any comedian, you hear the laughs from people and you start handing it up and you're like, oh, I'm going to get into this. And so uh, right after we got done playing, they called me and they're like, do you want to work on this with us? And I was like, what do you mean? Like testing? And they're like, no, do you want to work on the game? I looked at the nothing I had going on at the sure. time. And I said, uh, sure, I can make time for that. And so long story short, uh, it's coming out. And I, it's, I, it, I can't announce it just yet, uh, but if you follow me on Twitter, at uh, Rhymania, if you go on my website, rhymania.com, uh, we're gonna be unveiling it very soon. And the cool thing about this is the material written for this game is not just by me, and not just by these other guys, by some pretty big time comics uh, that we all know and love. Interesting. Couple with Comedy Studio Ties. Okay. Who I was over the moon. I mean, I reached out to them and I was like, I hope I can get this person. Yeah. You know? And they were like, yeah, I'll do it. I was like, oh my God, we played it and we tested it. We all had so much fun. And um, it's a really good thing to do during the era of social distancing. There's going to be a physical game that's going to be coming out as well. Is it for like a specific system or? It's something that can be done like over video conference oh, or over, okay. over Zoom. Um, it's kind of all I can kind of give away. But, um, and then there's a, a physical version. Once we can get together with people again, yeah. it works well there too. And so um, it's really fun. It's really different. I, it's so far, it, we've just had a blast and we've all had a good time with it. So, you know that's that's the big and there could be this other stuff like you know there's tv stuff but and there's still a ways off but um that's the thing right now is this new game i'm really excited about. yeah it sounds like an interesting project yeah it's been great to try something yeah. new and uh, i've always wanted to do, work on a game and uh so this was uh this was the the chance and he's a really good guy yeah. so keep an eye out for that and um and then i, I can't wait till you see who's working yeah really i'm cool. excited to hear about this yeah. Well, John, thanks so much for doing the podcast. Um, you guys have been listening to The Gimme with your host, Kathleen tomorrow. Please uh, like and subscribe to us wherever you find podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, and please rate and review. Thanks so much. See you next week. Thanks, Kat. Thanks, John. Listen to BNL, everybody. You'll feel better. <laughs>